Welcome to the Mindful Love Podcast, the show that provides you with the knowledge and tools to develop a deeper connection with yourself and others so that you can get the love you want. I'm your host, Tabitha MacDonald. I did the hard work of finding the quickest, most effective tools to transform all areas of my life as fast as possible, and I am excited to be sharing these tools with you. Today, I really want to talk about behavior as the highest form of communication. I started taking an improv class in January, and last week we did all of our improv through our behavior and our actions. And I realized that since I've been a body worker for the last 20 years, I usually watch people's physical behavior to assess how they're really feeling because they might come in and say, I have pain in my low back, but I notice that they're like limping on their right foot. And so I'm always watching people's physical behavior to assess what's really going on for them. And I think that's a tool that I've always used and definitely strengthened in my line of work. Sometimes it's exhausting because I can't ever turn it off. But in improv class, we needed to do behavior communication. And it was really fascinating to go through the experience through the lens of improv and notice the myriad of ways that we communicate with our body outside of the words coming out of our mouth. And that could be sighing, eye rolling, all you moms out there, dads out there of a teenager will know what that looks like. Arms crossed or open, the way that your face looks, is it welcoming and inviting? Or are you saying, why don't you ever talk to me? And you're like, but I, you know, then you say, oh, I did ask if you wanted to talk, but your face was like closed and scrunched and unfriendly and not warm. Or if somebody says, wow, I really love you and I want to spend all this time with you, but then they ghost you or they don't return your phone calls, they ignore your text messages. When I'm thinking about behavior being the highest form of communication, I think it's really important that we look at the behavior of the people in our lives, uh, especially when we're looking at relationships and dating. Because you're if you're dating somebody and they say over and over again that they love you and that you're so special to them and that you know they they want to be with you, but then they ignore you. Like I said earlier, they ignore you or they disrespect you to their friends or they try to control and manipulate you. You need to look at their behavior, not their words. And that's going to tell you everything you need to know about what they're really saying to you. I've done this so many times in relationships where somebody actually showed me who they were, but I wanted to believe that they were the vision I had in my head instead of really looking at who they were showing me themselves to be. An example would be, you know, I dated somebody for a couple months, very clear with me, not interested in commitment. Their behavior completely supported that and, you know, don't want anything long term. And I thought that I felt the same way, but my behavior was not. My behavior was much more in alignment with someone who was in a relationship and falling for someone. It's interesting because when that relationship ended is exactly as it, you know, now looking back, was destined to end. 
I felt very heartbroken and angry and bitter and hurt. The truth is the person's behavior told me all along exactly what their truth was. My behavior ignored it, right? Like I chose not to see all of the red flags. And I'm not saying that like in a way that's shaming towards me. I'm saying that as, wow, when I look back and I'm really in integrity with myself, and that means being honest about my role in that relationship, why did I choose to ignore all of the red flags? Why did I choose to ignore the behavior, which is clearly the highest form of communication? Why did I choose to ignore even the truth coming out of their mouth? Like, why did I choose to ignore that? And that's because my behavior towards myself at the time was not very kind when it came to relationships. I was so desperate to be loved that I overlooked all of the red flags. I chose not to because I felt like I was never, ever going to be loved. And I thought, well, I'll just take whatever scraps I can get and settle because that's what I had trained myself to do through most of my life was to just take scraps and settle. That was mostly in romantic relationships. So as I went through the healing journey, I started realizing that what I really had was this intense fear of rejection. And I basically picked someone I knew would reject me. And so I could continue to play out my dysfunctional pattern of needing to be rejected. This is one of the things that we do in coaching is we look at your life, like a couple of failures that you have, and we look at the common thread throughout them to help you figure out where your failure pattern is uh, or your dysfunctional pattern is. That helps give you insight into your behavior that led to the result in your life. So we need to examine not only other people's behavior as the highest form of communication, but our own behavior. I often say I want a strong, lean, healthy body, but I do the exact opposite of creating it. I don't exercise consistently. My food choices tend to be more sugar and fat laden, nothing that's in alignment with health and vitality. So even though I say it out loud and I choose it all of the time, my behavior is not in alignment. When we're looking at heartbreak, I really want you to think about the person you're ruminating over. Or if you're in a relationship and something's not working and The words are not aligning with how you're feeling. Look at the behavior, not only your partner's behavior, but your behavior. Are you really open, loving, being honest and having quality communication and looking at what the other person needs? Or are you thinking only about how your own needs are not being met? And with your partner, especially if you think that they're abusive, emotionally abusive, or unavailable, look at their behavior. What does it tell you? And if you really get to know them and their love language and how they show love or how they withhold love, look at how they're behaving. So my love language is quality time. Uh, It's number one. If I'm with someone whose love language is gifts, 
It never occurs to me to buy them a present because I'm thinking more about my love language of quality time and prioritizing that over their love language, which is gifts. That's a challenge for me because I think everybody's love language is quality time. And I'm pretty sure most of us think that way because we're thinking about it in terms of how we see the world. And a lot of us make assumptions that other people see the world through the same lens that we do. And this is really where the Enneagram shines. And if you do my course, I include a lot of education around the Enneagram and how to understand how you see the world and how other people see the world. Um, But when we use the Enneagram with behavior, we understand common behavioral traits of each type. Uh, So when like a type nine starts acting very passively aggressively, then you know that they're unhappy, even though the words out of their mouth might say, oh, no, I'm fine. Everything's amazing. But if their behavior says otherwise, then you can look at their behavior to go, something's not right. I'm going to need to start asking better questions. Type sevens, when they're the most dysfunctional, they look the happiest. Their behavior becomes very kind of wild and spontaneous. And uh, what is it? The very uh, indulgent in, you know, avoiding feeling any kind of pain. They look happier and more free than ever. And so now when I'm like really very spontaneous or I'm running, then I'm like, oh, something's going on. I'm ignoring that that needs to be addressed. Type twos might become overly concerned with helping somebody else. So their behavior might be demonstrated in a way where they're becoming overly helpful, but they feel more depleted than ever. Type ones tend to have uh, an uprise in their perfectionism. So they'll start over critiquing everything. And so their behavior will look very stressed, very worried, um, almost chaotic and trying to make things perfect enough. Eights are definitely action takers. So when they're, you know, feeling um, threatened or someone they love is threatened, they'll move into action and they start yelling or creating arguments. They're very action oriented. So their behavior will always let you know how they're feeling. Type sixes might start ruminating over the safety in the world, um, and they might start looking at more conspiracy theory websites. So you'll just notice their behavior, trying to create more safety for themselves when they're in a time of stress. And a type five is going to start consuming knowledge at a rapid pace. So they'll very much go into hermit mode and just start researching. And that's because they think if they can get enough knowledge that they'll be safer Type fours are going to start becoming more and more melancholy and allowing themselves to just fully indulge in uh, the, the state of melancholy and get lost in the experience of their own emotions, neglecting the emotions of everyone around them. And type threes tend to start just performing. Like if I achieve enough, if I perform enough, if I hit enough goals, I'll feel better. So this is where you can use the Enneagram to help you explore your behavior, other people's behavior, and understand what the behavior is telling you. Why is this really, really important when you're dating? Because if you're dating somebody who says, I would really love to spend time with you, you're just like somebody I really value, 
but they don't ever think about you. They don't try to get to know you. They're blocking you. They say they're one place and they're really someplace else. I want you to start looking at their behavior, not their words. I noticed this a lot with myself in online dating when I did online dating, where I would read the messages that the person would send and I would get all excited because I would read it with the emotion I have, which is integrity and openness and authenticity and vulnerability. And so I would read it with my emotional state. And then the person's behavior would not match what was coming through on any of the messages. And I would be very confused. And then looking back, I would change the emotion that I was reading the text message in and go, oh, my emotional state matters because when I'm reading it, I put my own emotion into it. And so being able to watch someone's behavior and follow it and understand it and look at it with curiosity is going to help you understand the best form of communication. Because if they're saying, I want to have a healthy, loving relationship with you, and then you have a conversation around values and boundaries, and then they bust through and break your boundaries, or they don't honor your values, or they don't align with them, their behavior doesn't align with your values, then that's all the information you need to move on. And when I say move on, I mean move on. Sometimes it's hard to end a relationship because we're afraid of the pain. Trust me, I know I'm a seven. Everything about me is to avoid pain. Well, it used to be. And so I want to encourage you to really take an honest look at the relationship and go, is the behavior in this relationship, my own included, in alignment with the values and the vision that I have for my relationship? Or is the behavior of the relationship toxic? Is it controlling? Is it mean? Is it ignoring? Is it manipulative? Or is it betrayal and lies? And if you're having a hard time, connect in with your feelings. My daughter calls it the yuck. Like, I love it. She goes, ooh, that gives me the yuck. I'm like, ooh, I love that term. What does that mean? And it's just this kind of gross feeling inside of your body. And that's your body letting you know something's not right. Because sometimes our wounded parts might think that that definition is what love is. And so when somebody is manipulating you or lying you, lying to you or gaslighting you, your parts might go, oh yeah, that's what love is. But you can tell in your body because your body might respond with yuck, like disgust, despair, chaos. If you're ruminating all of the time, always wondering what you're doing wrong, why there's, you know, what's wrong with you, then that's when you really have to look at the other person's behavior and go, what am I not seeing that I need to see? What do I need to be open to? What do I need to pay attention to? And then really sit with it and wait and just notice. Because what we tend to do is we lock in on the behaviors that prove our story true. So if we want to prove that somebody is really our perfect match or our soulmate or twin flame, whatever you want to call it, you're going to only focus on a few of the behaviors that support your story. But when you start looking at all of the behavior, 
you'll get a much more well-rounded vision of what that relationship and that person really is. It's really important that you do this because my mind rewrites people's bad behavior on the fly. It's a trauma response from being raised by someone who was manipulative and who lied. And I grew up in a home with addiction. And so I had to rewrite really horrible behavior really quickly in order to make myself feel safe, right? Because these are the adults that take care of you. And so you have to justify the love that you're seeking. And then you turn it around and say, okay, well, that behavior must mean that's love because I need to be loved. And so when we're adults, then the behavior that we rewrote as love when we were little, like maybe, you know, shaming or blaming becomes our definition of love. And so when someone starts shaming you, your little parts go, oh yeah, I remember this. This is love. That's what we really want to work with. Mindful love. And in Heartbreak 911, we do a lot of parts integration work doing Soma Tribe as well, where we take a look at those parts and go, okay, let's integrate you into the main personality and create a new choice and new definitions around love so that you're all in alignment with a healthy, loving relationship. And you can do this in, if you're in a relationship, you can do this if you're single. If you're single and you're looking for a relationship and you feel like you haven't had any luck, I highly recommend starting to do your inner work so that you can align with the person that you want to be with. And part of that looks like becoming the one, like becoming the version of you that feels worthy of that kind of relationship. That's when we really get to do our inner work and go, oh, you know what? The last relationship I had didn't end well. I really want to explore it so I can learn from it. And when we're in the victim mindset of this happened to me instead of for me, all we can see are the ways that this person hurt us and that that just perpetuates the self-abuse. And what we really want to do is take a look at it and grow from it and say, okay, what was my behavior that contributed to the failure of this relationship? And what was their behavior that I missed? What was the behavior that I focused on? And what was the behavior that I hid from myself, the the red flags, the things I should have noticed, and really take some time with that and pay attention to what comes up for you because this is the secret sauce. That's where the golden egg is. That's what's going to help you finally connect with and meet the person that you really want to be with. And it's also going to improve the quality of your existing relationships if you're already in a partnership. So I want to just close up by saying and reminding you that communication has many, many, many different ways that we can connect with it. But behavior is the highest form of communication. And it's really important that we witness and are honest about our behavior and other people's behavior. I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen today to the Mindful Love podcast. If you're interested in taking this work a step further, please consider joining me and go to mindfullove.love for more information. I hope you have an amazing day today. Thank you so much for your time. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with someone who may need to hear it. Please subscribe to this podcast and take a moment to leave a review. If you or somebody you know is struggling with heartbreak, please visit my website, mindfullove.love and subscribe to my newsletter. You will also receive a free meditation pack to help you move through the pain faster. If you want to go deeper, my Heartbreak 911 program is launching on December 6, 2023. This is an intensive 21-day course designed to help you move through the pain of heartbreak as fast as possible for you. You will receive live coaching, valuable course content, and support from people going through a similar experience. You can go directly to that program by visiting heartbreak911.com to sign up today. You will receive early access to a powerful morning routine, breathwork exercises, and meditations to get you started on your journey. Mm -hmm.